0: That we have joining on the show today. She is amazing, and you're not going to want to miss this. Today, we have Taylor Proctor. She is a business strategist and mentor, and she's redefining success. From Fortune 100 companies to multi-million dollar startups, Taylor empowers high-achieving leaders to dominate their industries. She hosts the podcast, Get Good at Business, Inspiring Women Worldwide. We are so lucky to have her, and I can't wait for her to tell us her story, glean some wisdom wisdom from her, and uh, and just share the stage with her. She's awesome. Guys, you're not going to want to miss this. Let's cue the intro and jump right in. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Taylor, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited you're here. We have had... A great opportunity to chat and discuss business and the game of business and we both love it and we both have had some fun time sharing some of our war stories and battle wounds and successes and uh, I'm so excited to share that with our audience today and have you on the show. Of course we've got to start with your backstory and we've got to start from the beginning and kind of share with everybody how you got to this point and we'll, we'll talk about this point later on as well too and share with them all the cool things you're doing doing, but we got to start at the beginning because when I heard your story, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, holy cow, you've been through so much stuff. And uh and so we had to start there. So you decide where to start from the beginning and we'll we'll go from that point.
1: Well I was born. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I have about 15 years, well, 15 years plus uh, experience in operations, leadership, strategy, and marketing in the corporate world. And so I have been in, I had been in the corporate world for an extremely long time, at least it feels like it. And in that I've had all the, all the experiences, the full gamut. I've worked for in-house marketing teams and grown and developed those. And I've also worked in an agency setting. So I've had the opportunity to work with A variety of different and amazing clients. And while I was working the corporate life, I also went and got my life coach certification. And so then I started coaching people on how to be happier. So I classified myself as a transformational happiness mentor. And I worked with individuals to help them be happier in their lives by establishing happiness habits, and equipping them with tools in their toolbox to really set them up for success. So as that was happening for about two years in conjunction with my corporate life, I had so many amazing clients, but I started to see the same thing over and over and over again, which is an amazing thing, which is that my clients would come to me and they would come to me on a scale of one to 10. They usually had a two or a three in their happiness. And by the time that we finished working together, they would end up in sevens, eights and nines. And consistently, like I have clients who I still talk to now four or five years later, and they're still in those high ranges every single day. So we really were able to transform their happiness levels through developing quality habits, etc. But by the time that we finished working together, which was in a 10-week period, they would say, you know what, this was so amazing. It was incredible. My whole life feels like it's completely different. The only thing that I really wish that I could adjust now is to be a little bit better at my business. And That was really interesting for me because I'm like, I'm coaching on transformational happiness, mentoring, seeing great success with my clients. And I have this to them, at least secret life where I am a corporate executive leading international teams, growing and scaling departments, working in marketing, setting strategy. I mean, the works. And so it was just really this fascinating blend where I started to see that my ideal clients also needed help in business, which I had 15 years of experience doing. So I started to shift my business to from happiness, mentoring to business coaching with the foundation of to be successful in business. You still have to have good attitude, good mindset, positive and happiness habits in place and all of those pieces. But then also the business aspects of the marketing, the operations, the leadership and the strategy. So that's really how things shifted and evolved to the point where Now I work with business owners of all sizes. You kind of recommended it or suggested it in my bio and intro. I work with business owners all the way from coaches who are just starting out to business owners, small business owners who have been in business for three to five years, all the way to what I call enterprise startups, which are these businesses that are between one to three years old and are usually in the tech space that are already valued in the millions so they're that enterprise level, but still in those startup phases, and just had so many incredible opportunities to work with so many wonderful entrepreneurs and really help them elevate and scale and get good at business.
0: Right, right. I mean, there's so much there to unpack, and I and and uh, I know you skip some important parts. So we're gonna go, and I'm gonna dig them out because yeah, let do it. To chat with you already, and so I want to dig out a couple things. One. Uh, is something you and I chatted about before was just how did you make the decision to jump from corporate into doing your own thing? I mean that's a pretty big jump, and for a lot of people they're they're afraid to make that jump. So how would you do that?
1: Decision. <laughs> So, no, really what it was is that I really loved my corporate career. I loved everything that I was doing. I had incredible clients. I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with brands like Google, Stanford University, Johnson & Johnson, and so many more, and had the opportunity to grow a department from zero to 30 employees, to from one service to five, from one language to five, and from one location in where I'm at, which is Salt Lake City, Utah, To two locations, the second one being in Edinburgh, Scotland, where I got to live for six weeks and set up our EMEA team. So I really loved my corporate career. But I found that it started to feel a little bit limiting in the fact that I felt so expansive and felt like I was making a tremendous difference for business owners when I was coaching them. And of course, I was running in tandem. And so I didn't really quit my corporate career until I felt like my business was on stable enough ground that it would be able to succeed beyond the safety net of corporate. But really it was this ripple effect. In the corporate world, the way that I would the way that I would get meaning from it, if you will, is that I knew that I was helping people and my team members in their careers. Right. right. And I knew that I was making a difference for these behemoth companies that were my clients. But working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, enterprise startups, right, they all have this need to get good at business and also this desire to transform and leave an impact in the world right and granted working with a brand like google definitely has an impact in the world but they're already established they know business and so it was really about providing a service there but when i work with business owners it's really about helping them step into the next levels of who they are and that has a ripple effect that changes the world and so i was really drawn to that and so when the time came to make that decision I was definitely ready and had the clientele and the support system to move into that. Additionally, I had worked with Google and set up my team, and then I moved to a different company. And sometimes you need those little pushes. So when I moved to a <laughs> different company, I was there for about a year and three months, a year and a half. And in that, it was very square peg, round hole. It was the first time in my life that I hadn't been and hadn't felt successful. and. I tried for several months to try and figure out what was going on. Well, in the meantime, I'm like loving my life as a coach and helping entrepreneurs grow. And I just couldn't quite pin what was going on. And then I talked to a, a co-worker actually reached out to me and said, hey, I was and I was in C-suite, um, VP of marketing. And the only other executive hire was our CEO. Everybody else was at VP levels. So essentially executive team and she's like i don't i know you might not be able to talk about this if cuz you're on the executive team but i am really struggling and she listed off about 15 different things that i had also been struggling with and so it was like okay it's not me it's the culture and it's a pattern and so that really helped me understand where i had the most value what i truly valued which was impact and connection and growth. And I wasn't getting that in that, in that company. And so I was really able to make the leap when I had things stabilized and I knew where I could really thrive, but also I knew I could make the biggest impact by shifting over to working for myself and helping other business owners truly get to where they need to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's such a interesting journey. I hear a lot of people talk about moving out of that. And a lot of times they're moving out of corporate because they are bitter and they're angry Mm. and they're upset about how they've been treated or how the organization is going or the culture or whatever. And then they take that anger and sometimes they take it into their business (laughs) and you're like, it's not going to quite work the same. But but it sounds like your transition was a lot a lot uh easier going than that and uh and that's probably where you can help so much on both sides of the fence is that you can see uh the benefits on both ends and that's fabulous Absolutely. uh you talked and
1: I about that i already i had a i had my coaching business for several years right so it wasn't like i was Oh, I don't like this company. I'm just going to go into business. No, it really was that they were in tandem right. the whole entire time. Sure. And there was just enough of a push where I was like, "You know what? Yeah, I think where I truly can thrive and where I will be best set up for success at this point is to move into working for myself."
0: Wow. You know, you you've done and and have experienced so many different things. I know that Uh, When we met, we talked a lot about the fact that you are also into investments and investing in companies and being in that space. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into that space as well? Because not only do you help people with their businesses, but you also run your own business and you're also investing. So uh, can you share a little bit more about, about the investing side?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the organizations that I work with in what we would call a fractional executive role, which is the consulting component of my business, working with those enterprise startups, oftentimes I look at those and I see their propensity for success. And so as I'm coming in as a fractional executive, of course, I'm getting a paycheck. I'm getting a salary, if you will. But in that, I also look at how I can have a little bit more skin in the game and really help this company grow even further and so in that case i have invested in a couple of companies as well as uh, have sweat equity in another company one the sweat equity is amazing too because you're getting a salary you're working in it and you're also helping it get to the point where your investment of that sweat equity will pay off and in that case the the company is looking to sell for a billion dollars that is with a B <laughs> uh, in three to five years, already working with a mergers and acquisitions broker. And so my ownership in that could equal uh, $10 million or more. And so by working in that organization, being a fractional executive, as well as investing, I have a better hand in helping it actually achieve those goals in my investment paying off. Uh, yeah. I also, my husband and I also have an investment property in Puerto Rico. That's a little bit different. It's not uh, <laughs> sure. a business. Um, it's not a business investment. It's a real estate investment. Uh, but uh, yes, my husband and I are invested in about two companies right now that we both have. We both see the propensity for them to succeed.
0: Yeah, I love the. Uh, the idea there that you presented so slyly and casually and and I want to bring it out a little bit is that there that you've been putting sweat equity in 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 some instances and the interesting part is how people forget the word invest it's you're in and you're vested you're vested in their success and there's so much value in that and there's so much value in a company being able to bring in your expertise and being able to Uh, set up the scenario so that you are vested in their success. And I think if you're a company out there that hasn't considered that, you ought to consider it because there's so much value in being able to work with someone that has your best interest involved. And a lot of times people are thinking, oh, I'll just hire or pay somebody to do this. But they intrinsically don't have that level of commitment. But when they're vested in your business, and their success is now your success, and vice versa, now there's some real power there. And and it's a whole different level of people investing in your business. So those of you listening out there thinking, well, gosh, I I could never do that. Actually, that's not true. It's not true. You might be able to do it. So I want to digress for a second, because you and I share a lot in common in that, uh, we we've spent a whole lot of time in the personal development space. And I love the piece that you said earlier about helping people be happy. And I love that you put it on a scale one to 10 and you're like, they were the two or three. And I I just, I, I really appreciate that approach and that idea. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I saw a documentary about the schools in Finland and their whole focus is on teaching their students to be happy. And I I want to dig into that just a little bit. Like, why is it so important that we learn how to be happy? Like, what, what went wrong along the way that so many people in the U.S. specifically are just – they suck at it. They, they honestly, I mean, those of you listening, you might have to think, do, do I suck at being happy? Like, but like, what do you, what's your take on that? Why, why are people needing that help and needing that perspective on learning how to actually do it on purpose?
1: Yeah. So several of my previous clients, they had bought into the societal checklist for happiness. Okay. And I'm sure as soon as I start listing them off, you're gonna be like, yep. Yep which is and we've seen it right which is the societal checklist for happiness includes okay, so you're going to go to college and get a degree and then you're going to find your spouse and it doesn't have to be in this order. It's just a checklist to check off, right? You find an incredible spouse and then you have kids and you buy the home and you get the toys and you've got the great paying job or maybe you go into entrepreneurship and you've got a successful entrepreneurial journey in that corner office and you have the boat and the RVs and the toys and everything should on the outward because society said these things will make you happy should make you happy and inside you're going, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I enjoy. <laughs> I just feel negative all the time. I just, I feel like I should be grateful for what I have, but like I just feel dead inside. And so what I have found is that we have been told what will make us happy is if you boop, 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 check those off on the list and in that we're not told how to actually be happy for us. And I often would get asked, you know, what does happiness mean? Well, it's, an, it's individualized. What happiness means to me doesn't necessarily mean what happiness means to you, which is why that checklist doesn't work. <laughs> but also it's this look at, I once believed in my own journey to becoming a happiness mentor, uh, I once believed that happiness was inherent which means that everybody is naturally happy. And therefore, if I am not, something is wrong with me. Right. And since something's wrong with me, how do I get happy? Well, society says that I need to do these things and I'll be happy. So I'm going to go full in and do those things. And I found that a lot of my clients had those same beliefs and that same, let's climb that checklist. Let's climb that ladder, if you will. Right. And then we're unable to establish happiness for themselves. So what we would really look at is how do we establish happiness habits? How do we do emotional awareness and clearing? How do we set ourselves up for who we wanna be and how we wanna be as a person? And we would do consistent daily work, building up habits that allow you to actually be more on the happiness side. Now, I think the other piece of this is once you know that happiness is not inherent, but it's a learned skill, that changes the game because you can learn that skill and then you can have it for the rest of your life, which is incredible. But also most people live like there's a pendulum, right? It's you've seen those, those little balls on the desks that like go back and forth way back in the day. So imagine that you're in like, there's a pendulum, right? Most people that say there's a negative side and a positive side. Most people will live in the negative side and instead of going all the way across, they'll just go boop, boop, just in slightly into the negative, just kind of bouncing back and forth in this negative zone, if you will. And then you have something good happen, like you got married, boop, you pop over to the positive side, you're there for a minute, and then life comes back and you're back over to the negative side. So through learning happiness habits, through learning emotional management and intelligence, through understanding who you are, where you want to be. And actually working towards that, we see that that actually shifts where the people that I would work with would be more on the positive side. Now, that does not mean that life doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's not all (laughs) sunshine, rainbows and unicorns. Stuff happens. So but instead of living in the negative with an occasional blip to the positive, they would live in the positive with an occasional blip to the negative, use the tools in their tool belt and their skills to work through that and then pop back over to the positive. So the long answer, (laughs) but the answer to your question is, is that I believe that many of us believe that happiness is inherent instead of a learned skill. To offset that belief, we buy into the societal checklist of what happiness actually means instead of what it can mean for us. And we tend to think that we're going to always be in the negative side with a blip to the positive instead of living in the positive with occasional blips to the negative.
0: I love that. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the personal development side. And I and I always believe that that's something that you can't ignore. So those of you listening, you can't ignore that. It's going to get you either in the beginning, the middle or the end, but it's going to get you. So you got to focus on it. So we've talked a little bit about that. Now, I, I want to touch on two more things. One is if you're a startup and you're jumping in and you're going okay yeah I'm, I'm starting my business and the next one just to give you a precursor is is on the corporate side when we're talking about improving company culture and we're talking about improving the marketing in that corporate space so the first question about the startup is what's the what's the best advice you can give to somebody in that startup mode and getting going and just scrapping and and working hard to make it happen they know they know that this is what they want to do and they're committed but what's the best advice you can give them to just get it off the ground and get it having some momentum
1: uh, so i'm going to do this in a two-fold approach the first one is uh what i call ignorance on fire <laughs> and what that is is like you we've all seen people who know the right way to do something and they build it all up they set it all up successfully in the right way and then they never really take action on it and it's like well i'm doing it the right way i'm doing it the right way well the other side of this is is that you have people who don't know the right way but their ignorance on fire they're just going in they're taking action they're figuring it out as they go And what you see is these two people could have the same amount of talent, the same amount of time, the same amount of effort, the same, you know, all of these things. But one is trying to do it perfectly and the right way. And the other one's like, I don't care. I'm just here to get the job done. I'll learn on the fly. And they start at the same spot. And the ignorance on fire person takes off because they're willing to take the additional risks needed, even if they don't know what those next steps are. So that's the first one. Ignorance on fire is the way to succeed (laughs) in business. And then the second thing is, is to get a little bit more tactical in our marketing efforts and initiatives is this idea that you need to know your ideal audience, right? And we hear that all day long, but what does that actually look like? So what I recommend is a acronym called QCAPS. And if you can answer these five questions within the QCAPS model, you are setting yourself up to know what your clients and customers need. You are setting yourself up to be able to speak their language in your marketing, and everything else starts to really elevate and take off after that. So QCAP stands for question, concern, aspiration, pain point, and situation. So question, the Q. What questions are my ideal audience asking around, insert your subject here, Right. It's not necessarily what are they asking about my product? Like, how does it work or the service? It's what are they asking that's in this current situation, which is the yes, by the way. okay. but what's what's question are they asking? So if you look at something, if you're a coach for self-confidence, what questions are these ideal clients asking about confidence? Well, they're asking, how do I get more confident? Right. But when you know that you can now tailor, no pun intended, you can now tailor and customize your copy, your messaging to answer. How do you get more confident? Sure. When you look at the C, it's the concerns. Right. So what are the concerns that they're facing? Well, they're facing concern on I'm getting bypassed for promotions at work because I'm not showing up as authentically and as confident as maybe my co-workers are. So my concern is, is that I'm stuck. I'm stagnant. I'm losing out on opportunities because I can't show up in this way that sets me up for success. That's a concern. Then we look at the A, which is aspiration. What do you really want? What do they, what do they want? What do they aspire to be? What do they wish to be the situation? And that's, I wish I could show up and speak confidently and not have my hands get clammy, not feel like my throat's closing up, not feel my heart pounding outside of my chest. Instead, I could speak up with confidence and know that I am owning that room and everyone is listening with rapt attention. Excellent. All right, so then we move to the P. That's the pain points, right? And I've kind of already touched on them, right? But those can be the physical and emotional pain points of the circumstance, right? Which is things like, pain point is, is my palms are getting super sweaty. My throat's closing up, my heart's pounding in my chest, and I am getting bypassed and stuck in this position because I'm not showing up with confidence. That Those are a series of pain points. Right. And then situation, which is the last one because Qcaps is the only acronym I could make work with this. <laughs> His situation is the S and that's what's the situation? Well, we've already discussed it throughout the answering of the others, which is You go into these meetings, fill everything closed down, and you're getting bypassed for promotions and for increases in pay because you're not able to show up in the way that you truly can showcase your talents, your skills, your expertise. So when we look at even that as an example, when you're just starting out in business, if you can answer those five questions, you are able to speak to your client, your ideal customer. In a much deeper way. And we hear all this stuff like, oh, build a customer persona or an avatar. And it's like, okay, well, I can do all the demographics, which are important. But when we look at like the psychographics and how we answer these questions, now everything you do is speaking to that person and their questions, their concerns, their aspirations, their pain points, and the situation they're in. That develops a no like, and trust factor because you know them you're speaking to them. So now they feel like they know you. When they feel like they know you and you know how to help them through things, they automatically start to like you. And then when you're providing value and helping answer those questions through your product or your service, now there's a trust level that comes up and you really have a funnel, if you will, to drive new customers and clients into your business. So short answer is, maintain your ignorance on fire go in dive in test it out try it it's going to be amazing for you and you're going to get so much further ahead you may have several failures in your belt but you're going to learn so much more from that It'll be so much further ahead than anyone who's trying to do it perfectly or the right way because there is no right way <laughs> there's a million <laughs> different ways you can make money in business and then the other piece is utilize that qcap methodology again it's questions concerns, aspirations, pain points, and situation. If you can answer questions around those five areas, you can set your marketing up for exponential success and be way ahead of the game.
0: I love it. So in regards to the corporate side, there's about 100,000 things we could talk about there. But let's talk about culture. How, how can, if, if we're talking more on a corporate level, and one of our listeners is, is listening to this, you know, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of talk about improving the culture. And now, especially with people coming back after the pandemic and getting back into the office, there's a lot of cultural challenges. And, uh, and, and what would you do? with somebody that was looking at their culture in their company and going okay we've got to make some adjustments like this is not good and ever since the pandemic we've got to like rehash what we're doing
1: yeah so if a leader came to me and said exactly that my first step would be to look at communication how transparent are you with all levels of the organization how much do you trust? your team, which is your entire company at that level, how much do you trust your team with the ins and outs of the business? And a lot of leaders, when you reach those levels, are like, nope, keep it close to my chest, I only trust my C-suite, right? But the truth of it is, is that that transparent communication of where we are really at, what we're doing and trying to do as a company is huge. And then connection to that is to build that trust. Say what you mean, mean what you say, And if you say you're going to do it, do it. And in that regard, one of my recommendations, depending on the type of entrepreneur and leader that they are, would be to not count your chickens before they've hatched. So I've worked with company leaders who get so excited about the potential for, let's say, a partnership. So they're super stoked about this partnership. Contracts are not signed and they announce it to the entire team or even to their customers. It's like, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to work. And then when it doesn't, it looks like you dropped the ball. There's a tr- Now there's a distrust of like, well, what they say is happening is actually not going to happen, right? So get your ducks in a row and then make those announcements, but also be very open and honest with your team. That's that communication piece of like, this is where we're at as a company. This is what we're getting. We want everyone to work towards because this is a team. And then the third thing is I would look at when you are able to communicate, you're able to trust and you're not jumping the gun. So you're actually executing on what you say you will execute on. You're building all of that out to then really, and this is the crux, the underneath of all of that, is treat your company, employees, as team members, and as humans, right? Especially as we look at this post-COVID world, it's not how, how how many hours are you working? How long are you in office? Get here, do this, why aren't you doing this? Right? Instead, it needs to be much more collaborative. The work is getting done and getting done on time. I don't care if it took an hour or if it took 4 hours, right? The work is getting done and then your team members can have a better work-life balance because they trust you. They can trust your communication. And we're all working in the same direction because you were transparent. So that's a very like high level. And I would say broad as we get into each individual leaders style uh, there. Um, every leader has trauma. And I don't mean like life trauma. I mean, like you've been a leader before and you've had team members stab you in the back. You've had partnerships fall through. Right. And so we start to close in. And that closed-in leadership style is not going to work in this modern age if you want to grow with your team and you want to grow the company to the levels that it's completely capable of and to its full potential. And so it's really kind of unpacking what those are and how that's impacting the leader's communication style, their ability to trust their team, and their ability to map things out and execute accordingly.
0: I love that. My goodness. We can go on and on and on about this for hours and hours, and there's so much here for everybody to uh, grasp and, and get a hold of. I hope that you guys listening will pause and rewind, listen to this again, take some notes, and recognize that there's so much in here for you to use, regardless of where you're at in your journey. Uh, That being said, where can our audience connect with you and find you so that they can learn more, maybe get in and and see what it would be like to work with you? Uh, Give us us some paths that they can get to you with.
1: Absolutely. So you can find more information about me at taylorproctor.com. Uh, I also have a podcast called Get Good at Business, and you can find information on that uh, at getgoodatbusiness.com get good as well. So whichever is more memorable of the two. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then uh, I also, I work with, right now I'm primarily working with clients in a capacity that I call Quantum Power Days, which is a six hour day where we tap into your unique and innate power to quantum leap your business forward. Typically we actually accomplish things in the day. Uh, side note, I cannot stand going to like coach VIP days, taking a whole day of your schedule. And yes, we do belief work, but then if it's nothing but that you leave with more homework than you came with. And I am not a fan of that. You're here to get your business to those next levels. Let's get your business to those next levels. So we usually accomplish about six to eight different things on your to-do list, whether that's creating websites, landing pages, Uh, event agendas, courses, pricing structure and strategy, ideal client identification, email nurturing. I mean, whatever it is, we get in, we do it. And by the time that day is finished, you've propelled your business on average. Most of my clients say it's anywhere between 90 to 120 days into the future because you actually got so much done in the day that your business is now propelled forward. So That's my number one way of working with entrepreneurs and business leaders right now is quick. Get in, get it done. Let's figure it out. Let's help you be successful. And you can find out more about quantum power days again at taylorproctor.com or shoot me an email at taylor at taylorproctor.com.
0: That's awesome. Well guys, go check that out. Uh, You're not going to go wrong and you've got to see what else you can do. So before we leave, We've talked about a lot of subjects and a lot of topics. What would be your words of wisdom to leave us with today?
1: As cliche as it might sound, keep going. You got into entrepreneurship for a reason. You're here to help transform and offer solutions to the world in whatever capacity that is. And the world needs you. And your team needs you and your clients need you. And it's a ripple effect that you have. And so even if you're like, I'm struggling, I can't figure this out. Keep going. 99% of entrepreneurship is overcoming obstacles and continuing to keep going. And the more you do that, the more you learn and the more successful you become. So as cliche as it sounds, that is what I recommend keep going. And because it is the tagline, if you will, for my business, keep going and you can get good at business. I love it.
0: Guys, it has been so fun to have Taylor here today. Of course, as usual, keep on choreographing your business, keep moving forward, keep going. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care.
1: Thanks for joining us today.